Chapter 19 of Bob the Castaway or The Wreck of the Eagle by Frank V. Webster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nigel Boydell. Chapter 19 Finding Mr. Tarbill. Bob hurried forward as fast as he could through the water no longer swimming but wading. Soon he reached the beach and saw, beyond it, that the land was covered with green grass, while trees, which he easily recognized as those found in warm countries, grew to a great height. I'm on a tropical island, thought the castaway, just like Robinson Crusoe, only I haven't any of the things he had, and the wreck of the eagle isn't near enough for me to get anything from the ship. Still, I ought to be thankful I'm not drowned or eaten by a shark. Bob was tired after his long swim and stretched out under the trees on the grass to rest. It was already beginning to get much warmer, though the sun was only just peeping up, seemingly from beneath the ocean. Wonder if I'm going to find anything to eat here, the boy thought. Doesn't look as if anyone lived here. I'll have to take a look around. It's going to be very lonesome here. I wonder if any ships ever passed this place. There were so many questions that needed answering, he did not know where to stop asking them of himself, but he decided the first and best thing to do would be to get off his wet clothes, not that he was afraid of taking cold, but he knew he would be more comfortable in dry garments. So taking everything out of his pockets, which was no small operation, by the way, as Bob was a typical boy, he stripped himself of his heavier garments and hung them on tree limbs to dry. Now if I could find something to eat, I'd be right in it, at least for a while, thought the castaway as he walked around on the warm grass. And I need a drink, for I swallowed a lot of salt water and I'm as dry as a powder horn. He looked out on the ocean, but not a trace of a boat was visible. Bob walked some distance from where he had landed, keeping a sharp lookout for a spring of water. All the while he was getting more and more thirsty, and he began to think he would have to dig a little well near shore with clamshells, as he had read of shipwrecked sailors doing. But fortunately he was not forced to this, as he penetrated a little way into the wood, he heard the gurgling of water. That sounds good, he remarked. Stepping cautiously, because of his bare feet, he went on a little further and presently saw a small waterfall caused by a stream tumbling over a little ledge of rocks and splashing into a pool below. That looks better than it sounds, thought Bob, and a moment later he was drinking his fill. Seems as if there might be fish in there, he went on, glancing at the pool. Guess I'll try it. Bob was fond of hunting and fishing, and knew considerable about wood lore. Searching under the stones, he soon found some worms, and tossing one into the middle of the pool, he saw a hungry fish rise to it. Now if I had a pole, hook and line, I'd soon have breakfast, he went on to himself. I have the line all right, and I ought to have a hook in one of my pockets, I generally do. As for a pole, I can easily cut one. 
Bob hurried back to where he had piled the things he took out of his pockets. It did not take him long to discover that he had a stout cord that would answer for a line, while he had several hooks. With his knife he cut a pole, and baiting the hook with the worm, he cast in. Probably no one, unless it might have been some unfortunate castaway in years gone by, had ever angled in that pool. The fish at once rose to the bait, and soon Bob had several beauties on the grass beside him. Now to cook them, he said to himself. Luckily I bought a waterproof matchbox before I started on this voyage. I can now make a fire. Bob went back to the place he called home, where he had first landed, and looked in the watertight matchbox which he always carried since he had come aboard the Eagle. To his delight, the little fire sticks were not harmed by his bath. He only wished he had more of them. Finding his clothes were now nearly dry, he put part of them on and proceeded to kindle a fire. Then he cleaned the fish and set them to broil by the simple process of hanging them in front of the fire on a pointed stick, one end of which was thrust into the ground. That smells good, exclaimed Bob, as the fish began to brown. But I almost forgot. There's plenty of fruit to be had, for he noticed several trees well laden as he passed through the woods. I'll not starve here as long as I have fruit and fish. He gathered some things that looked across between an orange and a tangerine and ate several, finding them delicious. By the time the fish were well done, Bob, preparing to eat his odd breakfast, was suddenly started by a groan. It seemed to come from behind a pile of rocks off to the left. I wonder what that was, thought Bob. An animal or a human being? I wonder if there are any South Sea natives on this island. He put down his fish on some big green leaves he had plucked for plates and went towards the rocks. As he approached, the groans became louder. Peering cautiously over the stones, Bob saw the figure of a man lying on the sand, as if he had managed to crawl out of the water. For an instant the boy could scarcely believe his eyesight. Then, with a cry, he rushed forward. "'Mr. Tarbill!' he exclaimed. "'He too must have fallen overboard and been washed ashore, but he seems to be hurt.' The man's eyes were closed, and he was scarcely breathing. "'He's dying,' thought Bob, his heart beating hard. Then, thinking perhaps the man might be partly drowned, the young castaway began to put into operation as much of the directions as he remembered for restoring partially drowned persons to life. He had not worked long before he saw Mr. Tarbell's eyes open. Then the nervous passenger began to breathe better. "'Where, where am I?' he asked faintly. "'You're safe,' replied Bob. "'On an island with me. "'But where's the captain and the others?' "'Boat foundered. "'Wave washed over it. "'Soon after you fell overboard. "'No chance to get life preservers. "'It was every one for himself.' "'Are they drowned?' "'I don't know. "'Oh, it is terrible. "'I swam as long as I could. "'Then I seemed to be sinking.' "'You're all right now.' said Bob cheerfully. You're just in time to have some breakfast. 
he helped Mr. Tarbill to his feet. The nervous man seemed to recover rapidly, and when, at Bob's suggestion, he had taken off most of his wet clothes and was drying out near the fire, his face took on a more cheerful look. "'Those fish smell fine,' he said. "'I'm fond of fish. Are you sure it's not poisonous?' "'I'm not sure,' replied Bob, "'and I'm too hungry to care much. They're sort of a big sunfish, such as I used to catch at home. The meat looks nice and white. Better have some. I'll warm them again.' He put them once more on the pointed sticks near the fire and when they were sizzling he laid them on the green leaves. Then, with sticks for knives and forks, the two castaways made a fairly good meal. "'I thought I would never see land again,' said the nervous man, as he began to dress in his dry clothes after the breakfast. "'This has been a terrible experience for me.' "'I guess it has,' admitted Bob, "'and for all of us. "'I wish I knew what has happened to the captain and the others.' "'Oh, our boat was swamped by a big wave,' said Mr. Tarbill, "'and suddenly we were all thrown into the water. "'That is the last I remember. "'Perhaps the captain and some of the crew may have swum ashore "'on another part of the island.' "'I hope so. We'll search for them. "'I guess we're in for a long stay.' "'Have we got to remain here?' demanded Mr. Tarbill. "'I don't see what else there is to do.' replied Bob. We haven't any boat, we can't walk on the water, and we'll have to stay until a ship comes and takes us off. Oh dear, exclaimed the nervous man. I wish I'd stayed at home. Bob thought he might at least be thankful that his life was spared, and that he was not where he would starve, but the lad concluded it would be wise to say nothing. If you like, we can take a walk around the island to see how large it is. "'And if there's a place where we can make a sort of shelter,' proposed Bob. "'I guess that will be the best thing to do. "'I'll leave it all to you. "'My nerves are in such shape that I can do nothing.' "'Bob felt not a little proud of the responsibility thus thrust upon him. "'He resolved to act wisely and cautiously, "'for there was no telling how long they would have to live on the island. "'With the boy in the lead, the two started off. The sun was now hot and strong, and they found it advisable to keep in the shade of the woods as much as possible. Bob saw a big turtle crawling down the beach towards the water, and knowing the flesh was good for food, he ran forward to catch it. He was too late, however, and when he turned, with a feeling of disappointment, to catch up with Mr. Turbill, who had continued on, Bob was surprised to hear the man utter an exclamation. He had come to a halt near a pile of rocks and was looking over the tops. "'What's the matter?' asked the boy. "'There are two men down on the beach. Perhaps they are cannibals. We'd better go back.' "'Let me take a look,' proposed Bob. Cautiously he went forward, gave one glance at the figures to which Mr. Tarbell pointed, and then uttered a cry. "'Hurrah!' he shouted. They are Captain Spark and Tim Flynn, one of the sailors. They've managed to get ashore. Ahoy, Captain, ahoy, here we are. And he ran down the beach towards the men. End of chapter 19